Learn to carry yourself on your own back. People will drop you quicker than they picked you up. Welcome to episode two of the Dr. Cliff podcast. Who can you count on? All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to episode two of the Dr. Cliff podcast. As said before, that is a working title. I would love some input and ideas on what we can call this. It'll be half talking about veterinarian stuff, animal health, uh, the busy animal care world, and then just wisdom and uh, life lessons. So, episode two, who can you count on? I got to apologize for the darkness of that uh, quote by an anonymous author. You know, I made my notes up last night, and I have had a few days of situations where a few friends have kind of surprised me with their, I guess, lack of support. I don't know why I'm constantly surprised for these situations. Um, I've been in this career 22 years. I've been a person for 47, and uh, this is not a new occurrence. Um, You know, people just look out for themselves, which is understandable. I look out for myself, uh, and I look out for my family, and everything else is icing on the cake, but I do like icing, so I think I do a pretty good job of being courteous and respectful and and compassionate towards my fellow men and women in this uh, human race. But anyways, I did my notes up and I kind of came up with the idea of this episode last night and uh, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to, I'm feeling a little bit better, kind of pulled myself up by the bootstraps and took on the challenge of having to, to deal with, uh, deal with some frustrations and some, uh, some differences in opinions and, and recognizing that my near future is going to be a lot harder than I anticipated. You know, so as I was thinking about this, I started to kind of look back at my life and this is kind of like therapy. I think this podcast is going to be a, a therapy session. I'm going to lie down on the couch and put my feet up and talk about my mom. Um, you know, my my whole life, I kind of have been not a loner. I mean, I've had friends. I was definitely a nerdy kid in uh, elementary school and junior high and, and even high school. It might be, I know, I know it's hard to believe, but... Uh, don't let the tattoos and 40-something-year-old athletic uh, body for a 40-something-year-old fool you. Uh, I'm joking, of course. I think uh, anyone who knows me knows that I can definitely see that I was a nerdy kid. Um, but I had friends. You know, we had the math club and the Dungeons & Dragons club at lunch. That's a true story. We used to do that. I love Dungeons & Dragons. Old school, basic rules. Stay away from the new stuff. Uh, it stifles creativity and, and enthusiasm, I think. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of always been a bit of a loner in the sense of, you know, like if I had to do projects, I would prefer to do it by myself. I knew I could count on myself. And if it worked, great. I got to pat myself on the back high five myself. Woo. And if it failed, I didn't, I, I, I couldn't bitch and moan and complain about, you know, so-and-so didn't do their work. And I liked it that way. I can sit down and focus and I can get the job done and I can be hard on myself and, and try and be as much of a perfectionist as I can uh, within reason. You know, it, it did me well. And I mean, even, even in sports, you know, I, I played hockey, 
played hockey like any good uh, any good Canadian boy. I played one year as defense when I was like six. That doesn't really count. Everyone just kind of falls all over on the ice and everyone goes for the puck at the same time. But then I played many, many years as, as goalie. And pretty much I started looking at it and realizing all the sports that I really got into and, and really enjoyed playing and focused on were for the most part like single person sports where I played that single person, that solo position, like being a goalie. I like the fact that, you know, this guy comes on a breakaway and I'm either going to look like the loser or the hero for those five seconds, you know? I enjoyed that. I enjoyed playing a really good game and knowing my team was going to tackle me and pile dog on top of me, you know, in the playoffs, which happened a few times. I was not a great goalie. I was a good goalie. I wasn't a great goalie, but, but I mean, I did martial arts uh, and every single martial arts you could almost think of uh, or combat sports, boxing and Taekwondo and Aikido and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, judo was my big thing. I've, I've, uh, uh, I've got my uh, Shodan, my black belt and competed as far as uh, at the master's level, which is the old guys, 30 years and up. I competed at the national level. And won more matches over the years, fighting in the U.S. and then in Canada. Won more matches and lost, that's for sure. And then even, you know, marathon running. I did marathon running and ultra running and Spartan races. And while I did that with my boys, no one's helping you pull yourself up the rope or or pick up that rock or drag yourself through the mud. It's all on your own, you know, other than people cheering you. And now surfing, I've gotten into the my midlife crisis or midlife opportunity, as I call it, now that I've got a, a degenerative left hip and can't run anymore. I decided to start surfing now instead of waiting until I retire in 10 or 15 years. And I love it. I love being on my own and I love training by myself and I love dragging myself out of bed. So, you know, I, I, I guess, I don't know if this is how I always have been or you know, becoming interested in these types of positions and sports got me used to counting on myself. I'm not really sure as I stick my thumb in my mouth and suck on it like a pacifier. And again, think about my mom and do my therapy. It's kind of tough to say, but I've definitely learned and I'm constantly reminded, it seems like every five years or so, um, that uh, it's okay to have friends. It's okay to have uh, co-workers and you can count on them to a point, you know, it's constantly preparing me or I'm becoming more and more prepared in my career as a vet. I hope I hope I'm done soon because I've been doing this 22 years and, and I don't know how much longer I have. But, um, you know, being a veterinarian, even if you're in a uh, my practice has only uh, myself and another veterinarian, uh, though we don't work often sort of together, uh, only a few hours here or there. Um, just because of the long hours at the hospital. And then we've got, you know, five, six, sometimes eight uh, team members, but it's still a lonely position. You know, uh, it's a lonely job. You're expected to take care of these animals and, you know, the patients, the animals don't understand what you're doing and how you're helping them out. Uh, so they're not going to say thank you. In fact, they're they're liable. They're more likely to bite you than, than say thank you. I mean, you're sticking thermometers up their keister and you're poking them with needles and the animal never comes to the vet clinic for a good thing, really. So understandably, they're stressed out. And I, I learned, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, quickly in my career 
not to expect big praise from the from the pet owners and we shouldn't expect that right they're expecting us to do a job they're they're hiring us essentially to do our trade and they may not realize how difficult that surgery was or how you saved the animal's life because there was a complication during anesthesia unless they walk in the door with a life-threatening emergency they're handing you a relatively healthy animal and you're going to do a b and c be it medicine or surgery and if it's hard it's it's hard they're paying you a lot of money so they're not you know you shouldn't expect them to just go oh my god thank you so much doctor you're amazing for doing your job right uh, so you have to realize that you're doing it for animals that don't understand that you're helping them and 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 people that understand you're helping them but Again, they're they're hiring you to do a certain job, right? So, as a veterinarian, it can it can be lonely, and and while you need to count on people to a certain point and your team members, I mean, obviously, I couldn't do what I do without my team members, and not just because I need extra pair of hands. I mean, uh, there's one situation where we had a, a, a fox. I actually do a bit of wildlife. Uh, medicine work some some volunteer work made a fox come in first time ever doing uh, uh prepping for surgery on a fox it had a broken uh broken humerus its upper arm right was broken we had to put in a catheter a shout out to miranda hopefully she'll be listening to this once we post it miranda was the technician from uh sandy pines this uh, wildlife rescue a couple hours from us who'd, who'd brought the fox down and, you know, we shave up the arm and this fox has this giant bulging vein that we got to stick a catheter in. And she kind of giggles because she knows what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, don't you dare say it. Don't you dare say, look at that vein. Because as soon as you comment how easy it should be to put in a catheter, it's going to be tricky. So she did her job. She did not say anything. Uh, but I could feel her eyes. And I'm going to blame that on the fact that I tried once, twice, and even three times. Strike three, I was out. I still couldn't put a catheter in. And then she just, you know, she took over and she showed she was a professional and slipped the catheter in uh, uh, right away. It was pretty amazing. Uh, we made a little comment how vets aren't the cat meow and it's the technicians that often save the day as well. So I can definitely you know, count on them to help and I can't do what I do without them. But when it comes to the, to the life goals of you know, pursuing your dreams and building your business or, you know, whatever goal you may have, and this doesn't have to be veterinarian related, of course, it doesn't have to be even business related, but when it's a long-term goal and it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of focus and just constant grinding, constant grinding, you can't count on your friends. You can't count on your coworkers to help you or to stick through it for the entire time. Because it's not their friggin' dream, you know? It's not their goal. They're going to help you out when you need a push because your uh, your car is stuck in the snow or in the mud if you're uh, down south in the U.S. Your really good friends are going to be there when you're having a, a, a difficult time emotionally. But it's going to be a few days. You know, that's the reality. When it becomes a long-term thing, you have to get prepared, boys and girls, that that eventually the people that are carrying you, air quotes, uh, are going to drop you. And they will drop you faster than they're going to than they're gonna be picking you up, you know, and carrying you. Because it's easier doing that. And they got their own shit they got to deal with, you know. So uh, that's sort of the situation. And I was sitting last night realizing, oh, 
you know, friends come and go and team members come and go. And, and the only ones who don't are your family, right? I sort of had this saying over the years and, you know, I realize now it kind of comes across as me being a bit of an asshole, which, yeah, I, I, yeah, sometimes I am. I think I'm sitting here by myself talking to myself. So maybe uh, that's the case, but uh, it's just because we don't have guests yet. I haven't even uh, posted this podcast while I'm, you know, at this point, but I used to say to people, you know, uh, I like you and da, 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 et cetera, et cetera. You know, and I'd say to them, I'm not trying to be a jerk and I'm not trying to insult them, but I'd say, you're not going to be at my deathbed. Like, what are the odds you're going to be at my deathbed? Even if we're really good friends, you know, I'm not going to die for 50 years. Are you going to be there? No, I don't. I don't expect you to. People come and go. That's how life is, you know. Now, am I being too cynical? Am I being too dark and depressing? I don't know. I like to think I'm being real. I smile more than I frown, probably 95% of the time I'm smiling. And the other time I'm eating, so I don't know. But, you know, I've just, I, I've learned to look at it that way. And I think it's 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 hardened me a little bit. And it's uh, sort of built up some walls. But these walls aren't too high, you know? It's like, uh, they're tiny walls. They're just like... Uh, five foot walls. So you got to be able to do a decent, uh, decent jump over to, to come onto my side sort of thing. But it's like, I've built up these walls to protect myself. You know, I'm happy to talk to you on the other side of my wall and I'm happy to come over and help you. And great. You want to come over and help me too. That's, that's, that's awesome. But I'm still going to have this wall because I still need to kind of protect myself from, from, I guess, being hurt, you know, and being uh, frustrated and disappointed and confused in, in, in how people sometimes act. Again, I don't mean to be dark and, and I'm not saying you should uh, ignore people. You shouldn't let them into your lives and you definitely shouldn't not help them achieve their goals. Uh, that's something I enjoy with my volunteer work and I learn and I, I meet new people. And sometimes I just, I just feel good that I'm volunteering and helping people out. But I recognize, and I hope they recognize as well, that they're going to pursue their goals. They're going to look after themselves and their family before sort of worrying about me. And I'm going to do the same, you know, so I, I, I guess I've Again, I've become hardened to it, and yesterday I was feeling a little more down and depressed. But I, I sort of woke up and realized, well, shit, this is just another challenge, and what am I going to do? I'm not going to sit here and, and wallow in sorrow. You know, I'm just going to keep being courteous and respectful, and I'm going to help others. You know, I won't get too used to leaning on them, but I'll lean on them a little bit. Maybe it's just instead of a lean, it's like a fun little nudge, like a little uh, fun little poke, a little shoulder bump or hip check, you know, but I, I, I've realized in the end that I don't really count on or expect them or frankly anyone, even family to a certain point to help me with, you know, pursuing or achieving my goals. You know, I'd just be happy sometimes if they just stay out of the way and they can cheer me on every once in a while. And I like to watch them achieve their goals as well, right? And that actually inspires me. Actually, this is a little off topic. We, I got in a little argument with uh, my significant other a while ago because, as I said, I'm doing surfing. And, and this is important to me. I, I really want to get good at it. And, and, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, when I'm older, when I'm in my 50s and 60s, I can still, uh, I can still shred, you know, with, 
with not the best of them, but um, I can still uh, catch the waves and do some uh, carving and, you know, uh, flash the shaka sign while I'm, uh, everyone's amazed that this old dude with white hair in his chest is still able to, uh, to get up and surf, let alone, you know, walk up a flight of stairs. And the argument was basically around first time I had gone out to, to surf some waves. I had been training on flat water. I'm in, I'm in Ontario here. We got the Great Lakes, so we don't have any oceans. So the water is very, there's very few waves, certainly no waves during the summer. And the water's flat and the water's cold. Uh, and we're going to be surfing through the wintertime. I mean, it's going to be ice and, uh, you know, the water's going to be four degrees. The way water works, it's kind of an interesting molecule because it, it takes extra energy to get to the freezing mark because of the way the molecules sort of sit together. This is where I'm showing that I'm a bit of a nerd. So there's going to be, there's going to be icicles hanging from my beard and whatnot. And obviously we got these massive wetsuits that keep us warm and booties and mittens and stuff like that, all made out of this neoprene rubber stuff. Anyway, so I've been practicing, 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 and, and, and there are some waves apparently at Port Hope. So I went down to Port Hope and I later found out that I couldn't catch any of the waves because the waves sucked. Found this out because a couple of days later there were better waves near my house and I caught about 50% of them. But at the time I came back and I was feeling pissed and frustrated with myself that I didn't catch any of the waves. You know, maybe 20 of them I tried, you paddle, you try and stand up and you just you know, friggin' just fall into the water. And I'd made mention, you know, to my wife that I was upset and, you know, she did the nice thing. She said, well, you know, it's your first time and, you know, just don't be so hard on yourself. And I guess I gave her a bit of a look. And so she questioned that look and I kind of said, you're patronizing me. Like, don't, don't patronize me. Well, that, that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> I get it. Uh, she got pissed. I got pissed. It actually worked out in the end because we talked about it about an hour later. And and I explained to her that I'm the type of guy that, you know, when I screw up or when things don't go well, I didn't really screw up, but when things don't go as well as they should have, if, if someone just says, oh, well, you know, that's okay, you know, you'll get better, you'll get better, that doesn't really help me any because I need to know, hey, I need someone to say to me, well, you know, that's unfortunate. You're going to have to train more. You know, what do you think the problem is? Is your core strength not good enough? Are you, you know, have you been doing all the drills that you're supposed to be doing? You know, like to kind of help me through the process of figuring out what I need to do to get better. But it pissed her off that I said patronizing. And the funny thing is, is as I told her what I wanted her to say in the future, she kind of chuckled and she said, you know, you say that to me when I have a problem, if I'm not running fast enough or she's a triathlete and, uh, and she's working on getting better and better. And I guess apparently sometimes when she says, Oh, I, I, you know, I did this time, I would, I would think that she's saying that's not fast enough. So I would say, Oh, you know, that's, uh, that's not really fast enough for you to qualify or for you to do this and that. What do you think? You know, do you think you maybe need to work on a or B whereas she would rather just, have me say, well, you know, that's good though. You know, like you're trying and you're, you're doing a great job and she is, she inspires me, but, uh, it was, so it was just interesting sort of the difference, but I am the kind of guy that, that, you know, I'd rather someone just say, quit your whining, you know, something has gone wrong in your life. Are you going to give up? You're going to quit your job. Uh, you're going to quit chasing your dreams. Like, what are you going to do? Right. There's no other option. 
There's this great movie, Anthony Hopkins and uh, Alec Baldwin, called The Edge. Uh, I recommend it to everybody. And in this, it's a survival movie where these two guys that are actually not friends and there's possibility there's some some uh one's cheating with the other one's wife and you know that sort of thing anthony hopkins plays this billionaire so everyone wants what he has apparently that's what he thinks anyways they get stuck in northern canada and they're 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 having to survive and anthony hopkins character who's very wise but very book learned says do you know what the number one reason is for people stranded in the in the woods uh, that caused them to die. And obviously I'm screwing this lineup. And he basically says they die of shame. They don't die of hunger or cold. They die of shame. They die of saying, why didn't I do this? Or I don't know what to do. And I, you know, I screwed up and, and they just give up and they essentially die of shame. Whereas if they just keep trying and keep putting one foot ahead of the other and they keep questioning where they screwed up, they'll eventually make it out of the forest or escape the bear or whatever. And there's one very powerful scene where he's yelling at Alec Baldwin's character saying, do you just want to lay down and die, Bob? Is that what you want to do? You don't want to just lay down and die? Don't die of shame. And uh, it's a very powerful movie and I'd recommend it uh, immensely. If you watch it and you like it, uh, let me know. So anyways, that's sort of a, a bit of a, a tangent there, but you know, back to this sort of dark, this dark quote I started this episode off with. You can't really expect anyone to to help you for the long term, right? You just got to let them go on their own sort of path. You know, they may stay for 20 years uh, and your friends may stay a part of your life for 20 years. And they may they may leave and, and it may be good that they leave for them. It may be bad. It may not end up working out. They're going to have their reasons. So you, you, you let them you let them do what they got to do and you learn from it. But, you know, I started thinking about Anthony Hopkins character and, and, you know, I literally, I, I think about this movie a lot. I've probably seen it 50 times at least. I mean, uh, no joke, um, but I watch it while I work out. So it's kind of like just in the background, but, and I kind of realize, all right, there, there's only a, like four things. There's a handful of things you can do in a situation where someone lets you down. You can one, take it personally. That doesn't help you. You know, it just, it just, and that's what I did. I took it personally in the beginning, but it doesn't, it doesn't solve anything. You know, it's dying of shame. Essentially you're, you're failing whatever the situation is just due to emotion. You can also get pissed and, and eventually promise to never help anyone again and build that wall up even higher. Eh, you know, that, that I think you're going to turn into a lonely, bitter old man or woman. Right. So that's, that's no good. Now you can continue to just be naive every single time and put your heart out there and let it get stomped on and put your heart out there. And I'm, I'm not saying that's what happened to me, but you know, you can like just kind of keep, keep on keeping on and, and, and not learn from it. Or of course you try and save the best to last. Number four, you can learn from it. You can continue to help. And this is what I, you know, I'm going to constantly do it's going to remind me that, you know, hey, it's okay to have these little five-foot walls up just to protect yourself, but continue to help people. Just be prepared. And when the time comes, you know, turn that that pissed-off situation around and, and try and make things better. And, and it will make you stronger, you know, as uh, David Goggins says, uh, you stay hard. Uh, he then throws an adjective afterwards, which I won't include because I don't talk that way. But... Um, you know, then I started thinking about, uh, you know, family 
Uh, obviously you can count on family, you know, again, they're not going to be, they're not going to be doing the work for you for five years straight or whatever, but you can count on your family when, when push comes to shove, right? Or at least I hope you can. And I'm especially talking about like siblings, children, and parents, right? And if you have family that you can't count on significantly, you know, I, I, I sympathize with you. I feel bad for you. That's awful. But for the most part, you know, I think most people know that they can count on their family when, when, uh, when the crap hits the fan, right? So yeah, you can, you can count on them um, for the big stuff. You can't really necessarily count on them for the little stuff. If you have cancer and you need help getting to the hospital for chemotherapy, you can count on your family. You know, same thing if you're sick and you're, you're taking chemotherapy, let's say, and you're puking your guts out, you can count on your family because they know that this is important. Now, if you constantly go to them and say, hey, I need help mowing my lawn, eventually, even your children are going to say, dude, man, like, mow your own lawn. You know, I got my own life I got to deal with, right? There becomes a time where you, you can't constantly go to that well or else that well is going to be dry once uh, once you really, really need a drink of water, right? Uh, so to say. So you got to figure out who those people are though, right? And 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 I kind of said children and parents and, and uh, siblings. It's like you, the number can't be too large. Now, this is, a, this is a North American opinion. I think as you get towards Europe, that that size of the family you can count on becomes much, much greater. I don't know if it's just North America in general or the British side of North America, kind of that waspy, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant kind of... Does anyone know that that's what that means? Has anyone heard of that saying, a, a wasp or a waspy? It's white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. That's where the acronym came from back in, you know, the 70s and 80s, probably before then. But anyways, um, you know, see, so you, you got to sort of realize that the further away you get in that genetic line, the less people are related to you, the less they're going to care, which is understandable. Again, they've got their own children and their own direct families to worry about. It actually made me think of my first wedding and my second wedding. My first wedding... I married my high school sweetheart, April 29th, 1995. I was 21 years old, and she was 21 by only a few weeks. She was not pregnant. Uh, this was not a shotgun wedding. We had been together for three or four years. We were in love. Uh, we wanted to eventually start a family, which, you know, I think I was 25 when my boys were born, my twin boys. Um, we got married, and, you know, 100-some-odd people there, and and... In my direct wedding party was my best friend, Tim, at the time, and my cousin, Chris. And I'd spent a lot of time with my cousin. He was the same age as me. I'd spent a lot of time that year. Uh, so he was in the wedding. And my brother as well. You know, I, although I was super close to my friend, Tim, I, you know, he's gone his own way. And, and it's not that he's left me in the lurch and he hasn't uh, hurt me. He hasn't not been f there for me. I mean, we still chit chat every once in a while and get together. It's really only every couple of years. And my cousin, I haven't, I haven't really seen my cousin in like 20 years just cause he's from the other side of the family and distant and whatnot. So it was a, the mistake I made is I was looking at, you know, you look at these wedding pictures, which I haven't looked at in a while cause uh, I don't even have them anymore. You know, I've been, I've been divorced for, for a little over four years. But at the time, even when, when I was married, I would look at the wedding pictures and realize, oh, two out of the three guys in my wedding party aren't really a part of my life. And, you know, I could have 
had my brother-in-law or again, you know, my brother and, and really just focus on those key people. And then I got married again. I got married uh, a little over a year ago. It was equally as adorable and perfect. And there were only six of us. It was myself, obviously my wife, my three children, and her son, who's now 14. And I even was able to have my two boys, who were 20 at the time, sign the uh, certificate. You know, we did a little FaceTime thing so that my wife's family could watch it. They're in uh, Europe and so that my family could watch it. Uh, and it was a very limited you know, number of people who were invited to watch it. Uh, but I didn't even, you know, I joked that not only did I not invite my parents, I wasn't even telling them when it was until sort of like a week before because I didn't want any hassle. Now, they ended up not hassling me, and I don't think they would have. They got it that, that this was a second marriage, and it was a lot more between, you know, my family, meaning my three children and I coming together with my future wife and her son. And it was beautiful. And and I can now look at the photos. There's one over my desk uh, at the office and realize that these five other people are always going to be a part of my life. Fingers crossed, as long as I don't uh, screw it up. They're always going to be a part of my life, right? So, you know, to kind of warm up this podcast a little bit, in the end, you know, it's reasonable to understand and to accept the fact that your friends and your coworkers, there's only so much that you can count on them for. And when they go off to pursue their own lives, don't take it personally. Learn from it. Don't be naive that, uh, you know, you put yourself out there 110% every single time, physically, emotionally, you know, the works, because, you know, you're going to you're going to die of depression, I think, if that happens, right? You're going to die of shame eventually because you're going to be so shameful that, uh, you know, they fooled you once, they fooled you twice, shame on you kind of thing. But learn from it. And and it's okay to put up a little bit of walls. Uh, and it's okay to be a little pissed off. Uh, I was pissed off and that's fine. But learn from it and, and don't let it bitter yourself, uh, make yourself too bitter, you know? Just recognize, though, that there are kind of figure out who your family is. It doesn't even have to be genetic, but who those people that are going to, you know, are going to be a part of your life. And and even think about, I do this all the time. I don't know if this is morbid, but I think about my deathbed. You know, how do I want to die? And if it's not in some amazing blaze of glory where I, you know, like Bill Burr would talk about in his one of his uh, sets, uh, you know, do jumping out of the uh, the helicopter and purposely not pulling his parachute kind of thing because he's you know got cancer and he's in a lot of pain, so he decides to uh, to to take it, you know, sort of end his life on his own terms. Um, but if it's you know something where I'm slipping away and I have some sort of chronic disease, who do I want and expect to be at my deathbed? And Honestly, I mean, I, I don't expect my parents to be there. Please don't, you know, I, no parent should have to bury their child. I should not uh, die uh, before my parents do. Uh, I want them to live a long life, but I want to live longer than them. And I don't want any of my children. I want to die before my kids die, obviously. So I, I really just want my life partner, my spouse, my wife, and now my four children, including my, uh, my stepson. Hopefully there's some doctors and maybe a guy with some good drugs. That would be nice. 
little dog if i have a dog in my life hopefully they'll let him uh, sit on the bed uh as i'm passing away but you know if something like that happens you got to figure out who you want to be in your deathbed and those are or at your deathbed and those are the people you can count on right um so i'm going to end this up with uh, a little bit more of a positive uh, quote now this is done by jim butcher jim butcher is an author of the harry dresden chronicles which is kind of like a modern day wizard fighting sort of occult monsters and and the dark arts and whatnot but it's like half spy novel half sci-fi wizardry sort of stuff uh, again i was a nerd very very good book until about book seven the, the series is good and then it just i don't know just goes to a different direction but jim butcher says when everything goes to hell the people who stand by you without flinching they are your family so let's remember that boys and girls and thank you for listening to this podcast and i promise the next one's going to be more cheery and soon we'll get some guests uh be sure to Hit me up with any questions you may have or comments. Uh, Instagram is at drcliffworldwidevet. Uh, you can find me on YouTube if you want to watch some of my videos of my uh, worldwide vet travels, my animal rescuing volunteer work around the world. It's youtube.com slash drcliff. Uh, and even uh, email, old-fashioned email, dr.redford at vet905.com. Um, yeah, so send me uh, animal questions, send me comments about this podcast, tell me that I'm a morbid son of a gun or that I'm a loser nerd who plays Dungeons & Dragons and, yes, I collected and still have all my comic books. Great. So thank you for listening and peace. Peace.